If you would take your Bibles, please, and turn to Romans chapter, or not Romans, Matthew chapter 1. Matthew 1. We're going to spend a few moments in the Gospel of Matthew before our cantata begins. If you were with us last Sunday, we looked at the first 17 verses of Matthew 1, the genealogy, uh, which, yes, it was a list of names, but we tried to go a little deeper than that and and to show how this was a genealogy of God's grace, Uh, God pouring out His grace through His Son, even through this list of names, where we see kings that have come to, to Christ and prostitutes who came to Christ. There was not a nationality or man or woman or slave or free. There's no, nothing that puts you in an advantage in order to receive God's grace. He brings His grace into this world and offers it to everyone, and what a tremendous blessing that is. And the way we ended was showing that God always keeps His promises, which really is a theme for Matthew. He's constantly bringing up these prophecies that are fulfilled in Christ, and he does so again here in the passage before us, what we're calling the sermon Christmas Gifts. Next Sunday, we'll look at the gifts that the wise men brought to Jesus, but Jesus also brings gifts Himself when He comes to this world. He brings the gift of forgiveness that He extends to us, and once that gift is received, He gives us then the gift of fellowship with Him. And those are the two things I want us to focus on in this passage. So let me read for us Matthew 1, verse 18 to the end of the chapter. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we ask that you would now teach us from your word. We thank you for this wondrous event that we have just read of, the birth of Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, that we would not just know it and believe it, but that we would celebrate it and offer our praise to you because of it. That's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I think I've told you part of this story before, uh, but not the full. So here's the long version, I think, of a story I've told you before. Lauren, my wife, uh, told me that she was pregnant with Nathan, our first child, in a birthday card. I was turning 30 years old, and she told me in that birthday card that she was pregnant with Nathan. She started the card by saying all the nice things that spouses say to their, other, to their spouse right, in, in, the, in the birthday card. And then she said, and you have another gift that's coming, but it won't be delivered for about nine months. And I had no idea what she was talking about. I said, what do you mean? Like, what takes nine? Like, you need to call this company, whatever this is, and you need to tell them that this is ridiculous. And, you know, uh, oh, 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 you're pregnant. <laughs> She's over there like, you know, who have I married? What is this, you know? I just didn't understand the clever way she had to- chosen to tell me. And then, of course, I was so excited. Nine months later, fast forward to December the 22nd of 2011, Nathan is born, and, of course, we are so happy and excited. 
He's born two days later, Lauren's discharged from the hospital on Christmas Eve, and we get home and we have the bright idea, hey, what do we ought to do tonight? <laughs> Let's go to the Christmas Eve service. We got home about two hours ago, why don't we go on to the Christmas Eve service with a two-day-old baby? So that's what we do. And so we drive to Christ Covenant in Charlotte, North Carolina, and we are there in the parking lot, and we did remember to get Nathan, we just didn't pack him anything. He had no bag, he had no diapers, he didn't have, not that you need a lot at two days old, it's, we sort of have this conversation in the parking lot, like, why did we think we should have kids? What, what were we thinking? We can't even get our act together. And, and so what do we do? We, we don't go in the church, we just turn around and go home. <laughs> uh, sort of, well, that was just a false start right, right then and there. You don't know how much your life is going to change when you have your first child, do you? You can read the books and you can hear the stories and you can receive the advice, but you really don't know how life is going to change. At least in the beginning, it's going to be a lot of, you're tired. It's going to be a lot of coming to the terms that this is both very difficult and very wonderful at the same time. It's hard. And you don't really know all that's going to change until you get into it and begin to experience it. You see, in the passage just before us, Jesus has been born into this world. And there's lots of expectations about what Jesus is going to be and the things that he's going to do and, and, and how he's going to operate as this king of the Jews and king of the world. And most of it is a misunderstanding, isn't it, to the very people that he has come to save. They think he's going to conquer the Romans and they think he's going to exalt the Jewish people and that's not really what he came to do. They think he's come to conquer a physical enemy and it's really the spiritual enemy that he's come to conquer. The world didn't quite know what to do with this baby who had been born. And it wasn't just another child among the millions that had been born before. This was God put on flesh to dwell among us. And yes, he received gifts, but he also brought gifts of his own. And those gifts that he brings are reflected in the two names of Jesus. The first, Jesus, which the passage says what? He came to save us from our sins. And then, as Matthew quotes Isaiah, he's Emmanuel, God with us. And in those two names, we see the two gifts, the two Christmas gifts. That's on your mind right now a lot, isn't it? Buying gifts for your kids and grandkids, maybe, or you're making your own list of things that you want. Jesus brings gifts that he extends to every single person in this room this morning. He offers a gift of forgiveness for your sin, which you so desperately need, and that if you've received that gift, he offers you another one, the thing that you were made for most, and that's fellowship with him. So those two points. The first is the gift of forgiveness that Jesus brings. It's in his name. It's in the very mission that he came for, to save us. But there's one piece of the puzzle here that we must draw out its significance. He was born of a virgin. Mary had not known a man, it says. Now, their culture was not more apt to believe in something like that than we were. They, they know how these things work. And it was just as implausible then as it is implausible often to us and to our culture, and yet how important that fact is. And we can say that's not normal, that doesn't normally happen, and you're right. But isn't God in the business of creating things out of nothing? He created this world, ex nihilo, out of nothing, he created a child in a womb where the things that are normally present there are not. He creates new life into your heart where all that was there previously was actually darkness and sin. He always is creating things out of nothing. 
And just because the normal circumstances weren't there, we should not then believe that, well, maybe this part of the story actually isn't true. It actually must be true. Because the only way for him to be perfectly man and perfectly God is for him to be born of a virgin. Our theology really crumbles away if this is not actually true. It's an important part of this forgiveness. He is the perfect Savior, indeed born of a virgin. And we have a lot of questions, and we can get down to the details. Well, what did that mean for Jesus' biology and His DNA? That's a grand missing of the point, isn't it? The point is, because of this, we worship Him and we glorify Him. And if a God really loves us like that, He, being rich in mercy, sent us His Son. If, for God so loved the world that He sent His only Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the Jesus that came, the one that the Father sent to forgive you of your sins. Psalm chapter 130, verse 8 says, God will redeem Israel from all of their sins. Jesus is that Redeemer. He once again is fulfilling all the things that this Christ was supposed to come and fulfill. You see, the big issue for us is not that we needed somebody to lead us by example, though Jesus does that. It's not someone that we just needed him to teach us the right morality, though he does do that. You needed someone to come and do for you all the things that you couldn't. You needed a redeemer to give you forgiveness of your sin. And he offers that to you if you would just ask. The gift is extended to you. Now, we can talk about predestination and foreordination, and that's all true. We're not denying that when we suggest receive the gift that's offered to you. Receive it. Receive this wonderful forgiveness that only He can extend to you. The idea of salvation in the Bible is not just some Savior from some general uh, 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 opponent or some kind. It's saving from the wrath and condemnation of God. You say, apart from forgiveness, you're not ready for fellowship yet. You can't have it. You've got to be changed. You've got to be forgiven. You've got to have your record expunged. You've got to have your sins removed as far as the east is from the west before fellowship can happen. You see, the order of these gifts is just as important as the gifts themselves. You have forgiveness, and now the great blessing of fellowship can be realized. Without forgiveness, the rest of the Christian life doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Joseph hears from the angel, do not fear, Joseph. Take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Paul says that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's the only one, the only option. You are not really sick in your sin, you're dead in your trespasses and sins. And through Jesus, you're made alive in Christ to walk with Him in newness of life. So there is a part of this discussion where we could talk about how do you receive that gift, and that's important. But maybe for this morning, let's just talk about the other part of this. Do you see how much you need that gift? It's not like a, most of the things probably on your Christmas list. You don't need them, but boy, you sure want them. This is one that you really need it, and only in Christ can you have it. If you don't know Him by faith, it's, it's not a do-better message. 
the news is not come on. The news is he has done it for you, believe in him. And he, and he offers you forgiveness. You know, there's a wonderful theological word that we don't use a whole lot. It's called imputation. And we believe actually in what's called double imputation. That on the cross of Jesus Christ, all of your sin was imputed to Jesus. In other words, think of it like as this long legal pad of all the things that you ever did, and you gave it to Christ, and he dealt with them on the cross. But not just your sin, everyone that ever calls on the name of the Lord, all of his people. Our sin was taken from us, imputed to him. That's good news part one. Good news part two is the second imputation. You also needed a perfect righteousness. And so Christ says, if you know me by faith, my righteousness, my perfect record, is now imputed to you. So the righteousness that you need is not something that you somehow, maybe, by the end of your life, earn. The righteousness that you need is something that is from him to you. And once you have that, you can walk righteously and do the things that please him. But it's that double imputation that's so important. And once we have that, fellowship with God makes perfect sense. And it's something that we now should want and desire each and every day. So secondly, it's fellowship. And that's reflected in the second name that we see highlighted, and that's Emmanuel. Matthew quotes the prophet Isaiah. You will call him Emmanuel, God with us. This is the essential claim, maybe the, not claim, but the essential benefit of the Christian life is I will be your God and you will be my people. The people that I loved and showed mercy and extended forgiveness to, I'm going to dwell in your midst and love you and care for you uniquely. Paul says in Colossians chapter 2 that for in him, for in Christ, the fullness of deity dwells bodily. We serve a Savior that is 100% God and 100% man. It's not an amalgamation of the two. It's not, well, you know, it's kind of like blue and yellow make green. No, it, it's two, one God, one person, and two natures. And that's exactly what we had to have. We had to have, to have someone who was perfect and someone who was human, who had a nature like ours. And wouldn't you know it, that's exactly what we have in Christ. He came to do that to have fellowship with you. Do you know the blessing of fellowship with God? Do you understand why Moses made such a big deal of that in Exodus chapter 33, a story I mention often in sermons because of its great value here? That God says, I'll wipe out the promised land, all your enemies, I'll give you tremendous blessing and, and all this, I'm just not going to come with you. And Moses says, that's the worst thing that could happen. We would rather remain wandering in the wilderness rather than lose our fellowship with you, O Lord, because that's what makes us distinct. We need, we need your presence, O God. You know, the Bible is bookended with this fact. Adam and Eve dwelled with God in the cool of the day, walked around with Him. In a Revelation chapter 1, we see that that is restored, or Revelation chapter 21, we see that truth restored in its fullness. And all along the way, it was the tabernacle, and it was the temple, and then it was Jesus himself. It's God dwelling in your midst. But it shows us only Christ can make that perfect. You can't enjoy fellowship without the forgiveness first. So do you know that and understand it? 
do you know that Jesus is the only one that can fulfill this for you? That he's not just a messenger, not just a prophet, and he's not a superhero. He's, he is your Savior. He is God. And the aim of the Scripture is to tell you how important that fellowship is with him. Do you see it? Do you see that Jesus' coming is the fulfillment of Genesis 28 when we see the ladder that extends from earth up into heaven? It's the connecting point. Jesus is the ladder. And he's not standing at the top of it shouting at us, come on, do better, you can do it. You can climb up here on your own strength. No, I came down and I put on flesh and I died on the cross and it was joy that was set before me and I did it for you. He is the one that provides this great fellowship. You know, maybe you've heard this Christmas story a thousand times. You, you know it. It's, yeah, 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 I know what we're going to cover come Advent. Maybe you've never heard it. Maybe you've considered forgiveness. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you know of this wonderful fellowship with God, and, and, and maybe you don't. I hope you will see that the message of the gospel, while very profound and while very deep, It's also very simple. It's not complex at all. God became like us in the person of Jesus Christ, and he died for your sin, and he lived perfectly to give you his righteousness. And he offers that gift to you right now. And maybe you have it, and you hold it dear, and maybe you don't have it. Grab it. Grab it by faith. He's not asking you to clean everything up before you come and and accept the gift. He's asking you to accept the gift, and he will cleanse you by his righteousness. This is the good news. It's not complex. It's actually very simple. But it takes humility, and it takes trust in him. In Luke's version of this birth narrative, the angel Gabriel tells Mary that she had conceived the child and would bring forth a baby, and she's stunned, of course, How can this be, since I have known not a man? And the angel replied, with with God, nothing will be impossible. We're ending this sermon much the way we ended last Sunday's sermon. I'm not going to go into the story from 2 Kings 7. That's not necessary. But the point remains, God always keeps his promises. Always. He all did all throughout the Old Testament, and we see it fulfilled in Jesus. And he makes promises for you right now that we believe will come true. Why? Well, because he always keeps his promises. That if you know him by faith, you will not be condemned on the last day. You will walk into glory with your Savior. You will hear the trump. The Lord will descend. Praise the Lord, O my soul. You will know him and be known by him. You will have perfect fellowship with him. So do you? Have you received the gift of forgiveness, and do you know that blessed gift also of fellowship? Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for this word to us this morning. We thank you that you extend the gift of forgiveness to us, that we would take it by faith. We thank you for the wonderful blessing of your fellowship that provides comfort, that provides hope and peace. And Lord, that we would cherish that as well. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Thank you for listening. For the sermon archive, go to wpcjc.org forward slash resources forward slash sermon hyphen archive. Scripture quotations are from the ESV Bible, the Holy Bible, English Standard Version, copyright 2001 by Crossway, a publishing ministry of Good News Publishers, used by permission, all rights reserved. ESV texts may not be quoted in any publication made available to the public by a Creative Commons license. ESV may not be translated in whole or in part into any other language. Verbal credit must also be given to the ESV.